High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Movement Conference 2023. How you guys doing tonight, man? I wish you could just stay up here with me this whole time. You're doing a great job right now. I was watching him the whole time during worship. I was like, man, he's not just playing the keys. You're you're doing you're like the dance team as well, bro. You you are crushing it tonight. You're crushing it tonight, man. Like Pastor Josh said, my name is Alex Gallion. This is my wife, Samantha. Sam, raise your hand real quick. She's with me this weekend. We're the pastors of Overflow Church in McKenzie, Tennessee. But to be fair, I'm just the Southern guy that gets to leave the Tennessee cornfields and head to the beach for a weekend and come get to be a part of this cool thing that's happening and be here for the last night. And as cool as that genuinely is for me, because it is very cool for me. I live nine hours from the beach, so anytime I'm in an area like this, it's amazing. And as cool as that is for me, I do want to mention that it's also fair to say that so much of what God has done in some of y'all's lives this week, it has nothing to do with me. And it's not going to have so much to do with me. It has a lot to do with faces that you see all the time, faces like Pastor Garrett and uh, Pastor Mitchell and Pastor Josh and Pastor Robert and Pastor Stacy and Pastor Micah and Pastor Chelsea and Pastor Castle and all these other people that have put their blood, sweat, and tears into making this special for you guys. All your youth leaders that rode in those vans with y'all, even though you smell some type of way. What God has done in your life has a lot to do with them. So as if we haven't already honored them enough, Could you take 10 more seconds and show a little bit of appreciation to your leaders around here, man? Top notch, top notch. I'm telling you, man, top notch. Now, while I got your vocal cords working a little bit, even though I know that this is the last night of the conference, which means that you are tired and you are gonna want to scroll on TikTok and get on Snapchat, and it's gonna be tough to pay attention because you've been out in the sun all day long. I'm only 30. I'm only a few years removed from like where you guys are sitting. So even though I know that's the case, I need two things from you tonight. Number one, especially any of the high schoolers, middle schoolers, or young adults in the room, I need y'all to do me a favor and sit up in your chairs right now. Just sit up, shake, shake off a little bit. Take a deep breath. I need you to lock in and engage with me. What I can promise you is that I'm not going to talk very long tonight. I promise you. I'm not going to put you through an hour and a half sermon. But what I am going to say is going to be important for some of you. So number one, I need you to lock in with me. I need you to engage with me. I need you to stay off your phone unless you're taking notes. But number two, I also need you guys to interact with me just a little bit during the message. And all I mean by that is if I say something this good, or I say something this meaningful, or I say something this significant to you, I need you to let me know that that happened, okay? And there are a whole lot of ways to do that, but because I know that that's a new concept for some of you, and maybe you're a little bit intimidated to do that because normally you just go to church and sit there and listen and you don't say a whole lot, tonight, that's not gonna be the case. And so I wanna give you a little bit of practice because maybe some of you have never done this before. So just very quickly, I want you to repeat this after me. Say this, say, come on. Come on. Say, that's good. that's good. 
I say, I like that. Now, what just happened? That was cute. That was cute. I'll be honest. But I spent four hours up there today just like prepping and spending some time with the Lord. And I heard some of y'all going more crazy over some Smash Bros. Is that what y'all were playing down there? I heard some of y'all going crazy over Smash Bros. And that you didn't give me the same energy just then that y'all had down there. So we're going to try it all over again, all right? This time I need you to say it with a little bit of gumption. You even know what gumption means? Is that a word that we mean? I need you to say it with some passion, with some, with some oomph, all right? Say this. Say, come on. Come on. Say, that's good. That's good. Say, I like, that. I like that. Now say, feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. You ain't got to use that one. Don't say feed the sheep. Don't do it. If you do, everybody else in here is going to get distracted and they're going to be laughing. So you ain't got to say feed the sheep, but thank you guys in advance for just kind of paying attention. But now, now that we got all that out of the way, I do want to mention how genuinely excited I am to be here right now. It's such an honor to be here. And it's not just an honor because I love the beach. I do love the beach. And it's not just an honor because High Praise Panama City is legendary. Y'all don't know, man, for years I've been hearing about High Praise Panama City. Pastor Casey is an overseer at our church. I know he talks so highly about this place. So that's cool too, but I'm not just excited because I'm here and I'm not just excited because I got to hang out with some of my friends this weekend. And the High Praise crew and the Hope Unlimited Church crew that's sitting right down here. I am excited because of all of that, but I'm just a little extra stoked because even though I'm 30, which is crazy to think about, and even though I'm the lead pastor at a church, down deep, deep inside, I'm still a youth pastor at heart. I still love all the youth pastor stuff. Matter of fact, if there were two things that I would rather be doing than preaching right now. I love preaching right now, don't get me wrong. But if there were two things that I would maybe rather be doing, it would be dominating some of you on the basketball court or giving you the sticks in NBA 2K. Like nothing would make me, I'll be honest, nothing would make me happier than, than absolutely giving y'all some of the business in a video game. I, there would be nobody, they're shaking hands. They're like, no, you wouldn't do that. I would do that. I, I am the guy, okay? I am, I would do that, I promise you. But I wouldn't, I, I don't think I could sleep any better if that happened. And that's because, and, and I think some of our pastors here in the front row would agree, lead pastors don't get to have near as much fun as youth pastors. We don't. We have to sit in staff meetings and budget meetings and board meetings. You want to know why they're called board meetings, right? Because they are so boring. They're awful. We have to sit and do all that. So we have to handle grownups all the time and adults all the time. Youth pastors are the ones that get to have all the fun. They get to do color wars and pizza parties and video games and Nerf gun wars and inflatables and all that stuff. Youth ministry is the bomb, man. Matter of fact, uh, next week, we are hiring a new youth pastor at our church. And I sat him down last week at our kind of like entry interview with him. Not interview, but just kind of our first meeting together. And um, I went through some of my expectations. I said, all right, Jacob, I expect you to teach these kids the Bible. I expect for them to read the Bible, to learn how to pray, to learn how to live pure, to learn how to invite their friends to church, to learn how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, to worship with passion. I expect all of that. But I also expect, because I'm not going to be in there to make sure it happens, I also expect them to know what it feels like to lose at Madden and to get struck in the face by a dodgeball that you threw at them. Because if there's any important lesson that you learn in youth ministry, being in a youth ministry, 
It's how to take a dodgeball to the face. I mean, that, that's, what it, that's what it's all about. And even just like talking about this stuff right now, man, it's, it's got me in my feels. It's got me nostalgic. I miss, I miss the youth ministry days, but I'll be honest with you. I don't just miss the youth ministry days because of pizza parties and because of nerf wars and because of lock-ins and because of fun stuff and youth camps and beach trips and stuff like that. What, what I miss most about my days in youth ministry is moments just like the one we had tonight, moments where kids ranging from probably fifth grade all the way to 22, 23, 24 come together in the same room. And they, y'all could have been doing anything else tonight, but instead you chose to come together and seek and go after the presence of God. Man, that, that's the kind of stuff that I miss, dude. You don't ever take this for granted. This isn't happening everywhere, dude. I've been a lead pastor now for five years, and I am still convinced that it's nearly always the young people who determine the rise or fall of a church. Almost every time, it's the young people that determine the rise and fall of a community, of a campus, of a country, and more than ever, I am fully convinced that there are few things the body of Christ needs more than gatherings like this, where kids from other churches come together and seek the presence of God with each other. This is so important. Look, look around real quick. The people that you're in here with are so important. We need this. We need each other. And for the few of you that are going above and beyond and you're teacher pets and you're actually taking notes during this message right now, if you wanted a title for the message, that's it. It's we need each other. So matter of fact, just look at the person you're sitting next to, look them up and down like this, give, give Kyle a stink face and say, you need me. That's right. That's right. You need me. We need each other. Now, hey, do we love the Word of God? Come on. Do we love the Word of God here at High Price PCV? Okay. Let's read the Bible real quick. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse number 12 and work our way through verse 21. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 21, it says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So it is with the church. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, some are white, some are black, some are young, some are old, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't actually make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that really make it any less a part of the body? No way. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything like the, the y'all's youth vans that are probably going to be awful on your way home if we're being honest with ourselves? How, but our bodies, and we have verse 18, but our bodies have many different parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. And you want to know why that can never happen? Because it's nonsense. 
Because it's nonsense. Of course, just like the parts of your body need each other, look around this room. You need the people sitting in this room. You need the people that you are in youth group with together. And I think it's time that we started getting a lot better at owning up to that reality that whether they are rich or poor or white or black or male or female or young or old, you desperately need the people that you're in the room with right now. And I know that's so different than, than the messages that you're hearing in the songs that you listen to and in the movies that you're watching that try to tell you that you're just supposed to take care of yourself and you're just supposed to deal with things all by yourself and you're supposed to handle all your responsibilities on your own and all alone and all by yourself. You're supposed to make your grades and please your parents and look cool on social media and lose that weight and... Uh, succeed on that team and work at that job and read your Bible and live holy and live pure and, and create a prayer life and do everything that you're supposed to do all by yourself. And if it gets hard and if you feel overwhelmed, we'll just get over it. Keep moving forward. Keep doing you because you don't need anybody else in your corner to achieve the goals that God's put in your life. You do you, baby, because you got this. You want to know what we call that at our church in Tennessee? We call it garbage. Because that's what it is. That's trash. You don't got this. I don't know what this is for you, but you do not got this all by yourself, man. If, now, we all probably learned a lot of things during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hopefully, I'm praying that you learned something during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. It was awful. But if there is one thing that no matter what political persuasion you may fall under tonight, if there is one thing that surely we can all collectively agree and say that we learn during that time, it is that we really do need each other. We really are better together. That living in isolation, that living in isolation away from your church family and your friends and your youth group, man, that... That's awful. That is awful. It's unhealthy. It's not good. It made some of y'all really weird for a season. Y'all said some things that you probably never would have said otherwise. You did some things that you probably would have never done otherwise. And as much as I appreciate the miracle of the internet, as much as I love social media, I am more convinced now than ever that we as people, especially as young people, that we are better together every single time. We are better together. And we don't just learn that from our own experiences. If we read the Bible, we see that God's been saying this same thing for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, not only did we just read it right there in 1 Corinthians, but have you ever considered how the Lord's Prayer starts first? Do y'all know what the Lord's Prayer is? It's that thing that you say before all your football games and your basketball games. You don't really know what it means, but you say it anyways. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the only Bible verse that you quote in the King James Version. You know, it's that one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Have you ever thought about how that begins? It's not my Father. It's not the Father. It's not, oh, Holy Father. It's our Father. Man, in the most famous prayer ever prayed, literally the prayer that Christ himself created for us to pray, he starts it off with the word that is supposed to remind us that you are not in this thing by yourself, that you're in a community of other believers, man, that we, we need each other. And it doesn't stop with the Lord's Prayer. Look at this one, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. When was the last time you heard this preached at a youth conference, right? Never. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one 
so they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone, someone who struggles with depression alone, someone who's dealing with pornography or a breakup alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two people can stand back to back and conquer, and three, woo, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Say this, say, we need each other. We need each other. Say it one more time, say, we need each other. And this stands as a fact, regardless of how close to God you think that you are. Even if you feel like you have a thriving and robust relationship with the Holy Spirit, where you are following God and learning about God and being led by His Spirit and praying and reading your Bible every single day, if there is one thing I can tell you as a matter of fact, it is that you plus God will never be enough. And I know I say that every time. This is my favorite thing to say at churches. I say that. I've only said it at one church, so I don't even know where that came from. Every time I say this, the response is always like, you plus God will never be enough. I know that almost sounds offensive to say in church, but the only reason I can say it is because God said it first. I didn't come up with this. Look, look at this real quick. Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, the Lord, not Alex, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for a teenager to be alone. It's not good for a young adult to be, around, to be alone. So I'll make a helper. That's just right for him. Now, when this was originally said in, in the very beginning, and for those of you who maybe didn't grow up in church, in the beginning, God created two people. These two named Adam and Eve, and they populated the whole earth and, and, and all that stuff. But before there was Adam and Eve, it was just Adam and God. And when this was said at the time, it was just Adam and God, and you would think that that'd be enough. You'd think that that would be a good thing until God himself steps back, surveys the situation, and for the first time in human history says something he's never said before. And looking at Adam being alone, he says, this is not good. This is bad. Adam being lonely is bad. Adam not having any close friendships is bad. In fact, God believes that it's so bad that he even lives by this mantra himself. Check it out. This is so cool, man. Uh, Genesis 1.26. This is God speaking. He says, let, what's that word? Us. Let us make human beings in, say that word, our image to be like let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, in case you've never been taught this, which some of you are young, so maybe you've never been taught this, we serve one God that's made up by three different persons, by three different individuals. It's kind of like three in one body wash, conditioner, and shampoo. You know, you got, it's all in the same bottle, but you got three different things. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they, they are three distinctly different beings operating and thinking as one. So they are all three different, they are all three God, but yet they are all three one, and the only reason I'm talking about this is because God himself lives in community. So how then are we convinced that we are okay by ourselves? How can we convince ourselves that oh, I got this? I don't need anybody else in my corner. That's crazy. 
You do need people in your corner. And this is for the old people, ranging all the way down to the young people. Matter of fact, I find this as an issue more in the older generation than I ever have in the younger generation. You need people in your corner, but to be, to be even more specific, you don't just need people in your corner, you need the right people in your corner, all right? Some of y'all got plenty of buddies. You got plenty of buddies, and you got, you got plenty of service level friends, and you don't need more buddies. You need some people in your life that are chasing God the same speed you are. You need people who are as concerned with the presence of God and with the things of God as you are. Look at this real quick. Check this out. Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 20. Our high schoolers in here, just pay real close attention. Had I even considered this verse in high school, I would have saved myself a lot of pain and a lot of broken hearts and a DUI. Check this out. It says this. <laughs> Y'all laughing at my testimony right now. That's okay. Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. <laughs> it's about as easy as it gets. Hang out with people that are seeking God, you probably gonna seek God. Hang out with idiots. I mean, you know, yeah, hang out with losers. I was like trying to think of a more appropriate word to use just then, he helped me out. Hang out with losers, well, I guess, you know. Hang out with the wise, become wise. Hang out with trouble, and you're gonna get into trouble. I'm telling you, man, I've not just seen this in my own life growing up. I was a youth pastor for a really long time, and whether it was a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a longtime friend or family member, I cannot tell you how many times I saw students just like y'all who were sincerely hungry for God and chasing after God get absolutely derailed because of the people that they chose to hang out with. It's the same story over and over. Every youth pastor in this room, matter of fact, if you are in a youth group, You've seen this story happen over and over and over. And guess what? Unfortunately, this is the story that some of your youth pastors are going to see unfold in the next three to four weeks. Kids go to conferences just like this one. They have these encounters with God. They answer altar calls. They raise their hands. They jump. They get filled with the spirit. Things are going good. Life is amazing. And then three or four weeks later, they're right back where they were before, make, dealing with the same issues, struggling with the same addictions, and sometimes making even worse decisions than they were before. And it's not because they're bad people, it's just because they hung out with the wrong people. It's because they did not surround themselves with the people they should have surrounded them. It's why 1 Corinthians 15, says, bad company corrupts good character. As much as you wanna go and change all your friends and change all your family, guess what? If you're not careful, bad company's gonna corrupt good character. And I already know what's going through some of your minds because some of y'all are church kids in here. You're like, but Jesus was a friend of sinners. You're like trying to get me in your own mind right now. I hear you. Yes, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And yes, we are supposed to love people no matter where they are in life. But that's not supposed to be an excuse for you to surround yourself with people that influence you poorly. You know, you and Jesus, there's a big difference between you and Jesus. You all know what it is? He could hang out with anybody and not be influenced because he was God. Unfortunately... That's not the case for you. You are not God, and there are going to be some people 
that you need to cut out of your life until you get just a little bit older, well, guess what? There's some people that you're going to need to cut out of your life forever, starting this weekend. There's some people that you need to cut out of your life forever. And up front, just, and just as we move through the rest of this message, I want you to know that what I'm saying right here, this is not for those of you that are just here to have a fun weekend. All right, some of you did just show up. You just showed up to play games, to go on a U trip, to get away from your parents for a second, and to do whatever you do. I don't know what they do right now. I don't even have a youth. I'm not involved in our youth group. Some of you are just here to do that. Others of you, though, you're like me when I was your age. You're hungry for something more. You know there's a purpose on your life, and you're done wasting your life on things that culture tells you you're supposed to be wasting your time and your life doing, and you're ready to go after more of God. For those of you that want to make it, all right, anybody else stop listening to me. For those of you that want to make it, for those of you that want to step into your purpose, this weekend, you're going to have to cut ties with some friends. This weekend, and I know this is going to hurt some of your feelings, this weekend, you're going to have to cut ties with that boyfriend that you know good and well you shouldn't be dating anyways. This weekend, you're going to have to cut ties with that girlfriend that you know good and well you shouldn't be dating anyways. And here, don't, it's not because they're just so bad. It's not because God doesn't love them. It's because you need the right people in your corner. You need people in your corner who are just as concerned with the things of God as you are. You need people in your corner who will push you toward Jesus and toward holiness and toward purpose. You, you need the right people in your corner. You need people in your corner they are going to help you stick with your convictions, not people that are constantly getting to you to try and break those convictions and do things that you know you're not supposed to be doing. You need people who, who love you so much that they will tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it, even when it's uncomfortable. And up front, up front, let me prepare you. Those kind of friendships, they don't happen overnight. Those kind of friendships take a long time to create. They are hard to create. They are few and far between. They're, they're going to require you actually becoming friends with people that you right now don't want to become friends with. And you want to know one more thing about friendships like that? They're your responsibility to make. It's not your parents' responsibility to put you in the right friend group, and it's not your youth pastor's responsibility to put you in the right friend group. It's your responsibility. You have to plant yourself around other people your age that love God as much as you do, and if you don't do that, you will suffer the consequences all by yourself. But when you do that, when you do that, don't forget this one thing, okay? Don't forget that, man, I hope y'all are listening to this. Attending church for an hour and a half on a Sunday or an hour and a half on a Wednesday, that does not count as friendship. Yeah. Just going to church with people? That's not, you go to church, you don't, you're you not friends with everybody in this room. That's not deep friendships. Going to church for an hour or two hours on Wednesday and an hour and a half on Sunday morning, that would never be enough. Matter of fact, that was never even the goal to begin with. If you aren't praying in prayer meetings with people your age every single week, if you aren't studying the Bible and chasing after God with people your age every single week, then the second you go home, some of y'all need to step up to the plate and make that happen. You need to initiate the prayer meeting. You need to start the Bible study. You need to host a small group at your house. Don't make your youth pastor convince you to do that. 
Don't, don't make your parents convince you to do that. You do that. You make it happen. Some of you girls in here, you need some girls in your life that are more passionate about the presence of God than they are boys. Some of you guys in here, you need some dudes in your life that are more passionate about learning and quoting the scriptures than they are about quoting the stats of their favorite NBA player. You need the right friends. The right friends are so important. You need friends who, when you're sick, they will show up to your house, lay their hands on you, and pray for healing. Some of y'all, some of y'all got a friend group and you ain't never even heard them pray. Why are they your friend group if you are a Christian? You need friends that'll pray for you. You need friends that when they know that you and your parents are at odds and something's happening at your house, they'll call you and they'll check in on you. You need friends that like, when, when you've experienced a loss in your family, because you will at some point, you need friends that are gonna be there for you, man, that are gonna love you. Even at your age right now, you need friends who can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond whenever he speaks. You know what, you know what some of y'all need? <laughs> you know what some of y'all need? You need friends who will call you out when you're living one way at school and another way at church. If you want to make it, I ain't talking to the people that don't want to make it. I'm talking to those of you that want to make it. If you want to make it, that's what you need. And like I said, even though friendships like that are hard work to create, those kinds of friends are worth the effort every single time. They are worth the effort every single time because no matter how good your life is right now, I'm sure it's great. You're on the sports team and you have a bunch of followers on Instagram and your Snapchat streak is really booming right now. I don't know. No matter how great your life is right now, at some point, that is not gonna be the case. At some point, it's gonna feel like your life sucks and everything around you is crumbling and it's falling and your prayers aren't getting answered like you thought they were gonna be getting answered and your parents are gonna be fighting and those people at school are gonna be treating you like garbage and they're gonna make you feel like a loser and that, those suicidal thoughts are gonna creep back up out of nowhere, totally unexpected. And when they do, you wanna know God's solution to some of that stuff? We think it's always a miracle. It's always divine intervention. No, no, God's solution to so much, so much of our pain and our issues and our struggles and, and even our, our sins that we haven't dealt with yet, God's solution, look around, look at them. That, this, this is God's solution for so many of you, man. Look at this, check this out. Galatians, Galatians 6.2. Galatians 6.2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the entire law of Christ. The whole law of Christ? Think about that. Every command in the Bible, pleasing God perfectly? What do I need to do? You think it'd be like fasting, you know, selling all your possessions and following, right? No, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the entire law of Christ. Hear me, man. You were not created to get through this all by yourself. Whatever this is for you, you weren't created to get through this by yourself. You're not expected to get through this by yourself. And you should have some friends that wouldn't dream of letting you get through your issues and your pain and your struggles and your sin issues all by yourself. Matter of fact, man, last, at the end of last year, in October of last year, Sam and I found this out in a more real way than I think we ever expected uh, to. 
Last night I mentioned that we're currently expecting. My wife is 12 weeks pregnant, and we are excited about this. And you guys actually found out about it before our own church found out about it. So don't, not that y'all are going to like post about it or that anyone from my church would even see if you did post about it, but don't, okay? Because that's supposed to be like something that we tell them first. We are excited about it, but at the same time, we've been just a little bit cautious to advertise it because in October, we went through a miscarriage. Uh, going up to that time, like at that point, back when, when that happened, uh, in October, we had been trying for about two and a half years to get pregnant, and uh, it was just constantly no luck, just let down after let down after let down after let down, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, we're pregnant, and we're going to get ultrasounds, and we're hearing a heartbeat, and we're telling our friends, and we're telling our family, and literally two days later, we lose the baby, and when I say it was torture, I, that, I could not ex exaggerate that. It, it was the worst day of both of our lives. And I, I, I don't even, un, I, I can't comprehend how we would have managed that all on our own without the people that we have in our corner. I can't even imagine how hard that would have been without the people in our corner. And guess what? That's okay. Because I'm not supposed to imagine how hard that would be without people in my corner. And, and guess what? You are not supposed to imagine going through what so many of you are going through right now without people in your corner. You're not supposed to know what it's like to have to deal with that learning disability all by yourself. You're not supposed to know what it's like to deal with, with uh, that, that secret addiction to pornography all by yourself. You're not supposed to know what it feels like to deal with the rejection of your classmates all by yourself or with that divorce that your parents are going through all by yourself. You're not supposed to know what it feels like to have to go through those feelings of loneliness and stress and depression and anxiety all by yourself. You're, you're not supposed to know what it feels like. You're supposed to have people in your corner. But you want to know the only way you can ensure that you never have to go through that stuff or maybe even just life itself all by yourself? You wanna know the only way that you can ensure that that's never gonna happen? You have to get really good at actually utilizing your community and opening up and letting people into your world. It is one thing to have friends that are chasing after God. It's a whole nother thing to be able to talk to those friends. Some of you, whether it's your friends, your leaders, your parents, You've got to learn how to open up and talk about your pain and your trauma and your anxiety and your fears and your worries and even your sin. And I know for us, it's like, that's, I mean, if we're being honest, that is not something that any of us are good at. That's not something that any of us want to do. Why? Because we love looking good. Guess what? You're a church person. You know what that means? You love looking the part. You love impressing your parents and your youth group, and you don't want anyone to think that you're weak or that you don't have it all together. But according to the Bible, if you ever want to get through some of these issues, if you ever want to experience freedom from some of these issues that have been holding you back, I'm talking about the tears that are, that are coming every night that no one knows about. 
I'm talking about those addictions that you haven't opened up to anybody about. I'm, I'm talking about the depression. I'm talking about those feelings, your deep desire to be liked and to be popular and to be cool and to be accepted and to have a relationship and to not be the only girl that goes to the dance without someone. I'm talking about that stuff. If and when you are actually ready to get through some of that stuff, I hate to break it to you. It may not be an altar call that does it. It may not be a, another worship service that does it. But you know what will? This thing that the Bible calls confession. Opening up, talking about the desires on the inside of you. Check this out. James 5, 16. It says this. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Don't you love that? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So according to the book of James, which is Jesus' brother, this is what we're listening to. There is pain, trauma, anxiety, and even some sin issues that you haven't been set free from, and it's not because you don't love God enough. It's not because you don't worship good enough. It's not because you need to get rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. It's because some of you have never taken the courageous step of confession, of actually talking about your sins. I mean, and when I say confession, what I don't mean is raising your hand and saying, I've just been having some struggles this past week. We love that. We love saving face, right? We say struggles because it's vague and no one knows what's happening. I, when I say confession, what I don't mean is you texting the group chat and saying, ladies, just pray for me. I'm having a tough week. Us oh, easy because no one knows what tough week means. Tough week could mean that you, know, you failed a test, but tough week could also mean that you made a horrible decision that you don't want anybody to know about. So when I say confession, I mean you getting brutally honest. I mean talk, sharing specifics, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, even when it's embarrassing. And even when it makes you look bad, and the only reason that I can talk about this and even encourage you to do this is because I've done this. Man, I, you know, at every youth conference, I feel like you're supposed to share your testimony. I, I, I can remember my testimony, the day everything changed for me, like it was yesterday. I can remember where I was. I can remember the songs that we were singing. I can remember sitting on the floor. I can remember the sermon. I can remember what I was wearing that day. I was wearing a pair of khaki shorts, Sperry's, and a green Hollister t-shirt that I bought at the mall right down the road because that's what we wore back in 2007. I can remember that day, that weekend, like it was yesterday. I can remember getting baptized like some of you did this past weekend. But you want to know what else I can remember about that weekend? And this is the story I don't tell a whole lot. I can remember coming home from that conference and getting home really late at night because we were never allowed to stay over until Sunday morning. We had to drive home that night so that we could be at church on Sunday morning because my pastor demanded that after youth trip, we stand right in the front and we lead the way. So we would always have to get home at like 3 a.m. and then be at church in the morning, which it felt like torture to me then. And now I get it. I got home that night all of our youth campers know what I'm talking about right now. I remember getting home that night, and because I knew I wasn't going to do it, if I didn't do it right away, I walked into my parents' room. I woke them up, brought them into the living room, and spent the next three hours confessing every sin that I could imagine because the Lord told me to. 
My, my, we're on the way, on the way home. And my dad, our youth pastor, he's going, you need to ask God what your next step is because there's always a next step. God's never done. Where you stop is where you stop. And you need to be asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do now? And I'm asking him and I'm thinking, raise my hands at church. <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know, like stop texting people. I'm not supposed to be texting. And I'm opening my Bible and I read James 5, 16. You confess your sin, you'll be healed. And I feel like the Lord is like, you need to go confess your sins to your parents. And I said, well, are you sure? I mean, like arguing with the Lord, are you sure? Like, I, you know what I'm about to have to say. Can they, can their, can my mom's heart take this, Lord? You know, like, and the funny thing about God is that the second you don't do what God's asked you to do, he'll just stop talking to you. He won't disown you. You're not gonna lose your salvation. He'll, he'll stop talking to you, though. My dad used to always tell us, if you're not hearing the voice of God, go back and do the last thing that you heard him tell you to do that you didn't do. So I remember knowing in that moment, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I knocked on the door, I brought him in there, and I confessed every sin that I could think of, every time that I lied to them, every time I'd snuck out of the house, every time I smoked, every time I drank, and the secret addiction to pornography that I'd had since I was 10 years old. I laid it all out on the table, and it was awful. It was embarrassing, it was not fun, it did not feel freeing in the moment. My mother was mad, she was disappointed with me, she didn't wanna look at me for about three days, but in the long run, that brought more healing and more freedom to my life than I'd ever experienced before. And I need to make sure you know, that journey of confession, again, the reason I'm allowed to even have this conversation with you, is because that journey of confession hasn't stopped. You know what else I remember? I remember the first time I had to sit my wife down and tell her that I looked at pornography after we were married. Yeah, talk about embarrassing. That was awful. That was not fun. She was, I mean, she was happy that I was honest with her, but left her a little bit mad, a little bit insecure. But guess what? It brought more healing and more freedom to our marriage. It strengthened our marriage in a thousand different ways. Even tonight, I am on my way here. And I, I don't, why was I stressed out? Why was I nervous? I do, I do this every weekend. I love doing this. And I am nervous and I'm embarrassed about it. And I'm like, I don't wanna tell my wife that I'm nervous about getting up here and speaking. And on the way here, the Lord's like, oh, you just like talking about confession? You, just, you don't like actually doing it? And I was like, Sam. Will you pray for me? I'm nervous about talking tonight. And guess what? She laid her hands on me and she prayed for me and I felt the Holy Spirit of God. Just like that. There are some of you in here and you need to know that's your next step. Is confession hard? Most certainly. Is it worth it? Most certainly, there are ladies and gentlemen all over this room who need, the moment you get home, you need to have some conversations with your parents about some stuff that's been happening behind their backs. There are ladies and gentlemen all over this room, young and old, and you need to have some conversations with your youth pastors or with your pastors about some sin issues that you've been hiding in the dark that you haven't been talking about. Man, again, I say, young or old, there are people in this room 
and you have gone to conference after conference after conference just like this one for years now and you've answered the altar call and you've raised your hands and you've gone through the fire tunnel and you've cried and you've said, I'm never going to do that again and I'm never going to act like that again and I'm never going to say that ever again. And then three weeks later, you are right back in it. And again, it's not because you're lesser than. It's not because you're a scumbag Christian. It's not because you don't have a purpose. You know why? It's because you never talked about anything. You know, sin thrives in the secret. Sin thrives in the dark. And if you keep it in the dark, it'll keep growing. And it'll keep dominating your life. The only reason some of you haven't grown and you just keep winding up in that same place is because of all the secrets that you've been keeping. You haven't exercised the discipline of confession. And again, hear me, is confession hard? Is it embarrassing? Is it difficult? Is it awkward? Yes, but is it worth it? Yes, because freedom is worth it and healing is worth it and growth is worth it and you stepping into your purpose, it is worth it every single time. It is worth it. So number one, Christians confess because it brings healing. You wanna know the second reason we confess though? Y'all gonna like this one. Because the better you get at confessing your sins, the less likely you are to judge all your classmates and your youth members for all of their sins. You wanna know the only reason so many Christians think that they're better than everybody else around them and judge everybody else around them? Oh, it's because they haven't publicly owned up to any of their own sins lately. It's so, it's so easy to feel like you're the holiest person in your youth group or in your church or in the room when you haven't aired any of your dirty laundry. But the better you get at exercising confession and owning up to where you fall short, the more you recognize just how sinful and messed up and in need of God's grace you are as everybody else. Here's the thing about confession. It's so cool because confession levels the playing field. Everybody in here, I guarantee you at some point in your life, you see some Christians, as superstar Christians. They are killing it, they love God, they've never done anything wrong, I wanna be just like them. And then you see yourself kinda of like as a scumbag Christian. You see other people as a scumbag Christian. It's like they're barely making it. The floor is about to drop straight on underneath you and you're gonna go straight to hell. And, ah, like you're screaming like that. You know what confession does though? It eliminates that. It puts everyone on the same level playing field. Check this out real quick. Last big group of verses we got tonight. It says this, and man, you guys can go ahead and make your way up. Jazz hands. Yeah, we good? Okay, all right. That was, the, that was the Q word. I couldn't work it into that sermon though, so I just said it. Matthew 9, starting in verse number nine. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and he followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples over to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees, AKA the church people, the people who knew all the answers to all the questions, when they saw this, they asked his disciples, they say, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added this. Now go learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to so, show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Because I've come not to call those who think they are righteous. I've come to call those who know that they are sinners. 
Now, when Jesus said this, he effectively lumped humanity into two different groups. And it was not bad people and good people. And it wasn't sort of bad people and really bad people. And it wasn't scumbags and superstars. It was people who think that they're righteous and think that they have it all together. And people like the rest of us who know that that ain't the case who know that we are struggling, who know that we don't have it all together. In fact, it's good for you to know that when Jesus said he came to call the sick, and when Jesus talks about sinners, you know he's not talking about whoever it was that came to your mind just then, right? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about all of us. Because believe it or not, we are all messed up. We've all fallen short. We've all got issues. We all need the same amount of help. And the good news is that Jesus isn't just a friend of sinners. Jesus is only a friend of sinners. Jesus is only a friend of sinners. He is, uh, think about the disciples. Jesus is only friends with people who understand just how messed up they are, who understand and are willing to admit just how much they need his help. Jesus, you don't have to be a superstar to be Jesus's friend. You have to be honest to be Jesus's friend. And honestly speaking, the reason that it's such good news that Jesus is friends with sinners, it's not because he, that means that he's friends with the bully and he's friends with the atheist and he's friends with the murderer. The reason that it's good news that Jesus is friends with sinners and screw-ups and scumbags is because that means that Jesus is willing to be friends with you. And it means that he's willing to be friends with me. It means that he's willing to be friends with all of us. And there is one prerequisite. You wanna know what that is? Confession. It's simply admitting that you are not on the top of the holiness food chain. It's admitting that you need God just as much as anybody else. It's admitting when you're struggling with certain sins and being willing to open up and talk about those things. One last verse tonight, one last verse, it says this. This is 1 John 1, eight through nine. If we say that we don't have any sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we open up, man, if we talk about these things, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you guys hear about the Asbury revival? I mean, it was kind of a thing like in America, it'll probably go down in history books at some point. And a couple of months ago, this giant revival sweeps out of this college. And the thing that made this one so different because most of the time when we think about revival, especially in our context of church, we think about people jumping up and down and screaming and operating in spiritual gifts and having a good time and lights. You know, the, the cool part about the Asbury revival is that what made that so different, it wasn't people, it wasn't charismatic gifts of the spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't great singers and it wasn't great preachers. You wanna know what made it so special? It was young people confessing their sins. Everywhere you look, People were just owning up to the fact that they were struggling. They were confessing their sins everywhere you look. You had, you had girls finally confessing that they were dealing with envy and with jealousy because they spent so much time comparing their figures to every other person on Instagram. 
You had guys finally opening up and confessing the issues of sin that they were dealing with pertaining to homosexuality or pertaining to uh, pornography or, or pertaining to just sexual immorality in general. Man, you, you had confession, you, uh, a confession in a way that like you don't really see a whole lot. You had people confessing and talking about bitterness and hatred that they had against their parents for the divorce or, or for the abuse that they suffered. You had people talking about the grudges that they were holding against other people and then they were extending forgiveness for that kind of stuff. I think it's, we are so apt when we think about things like revival in our minds, what we think is kids jumping up and down and worship services and speaking in tongues and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and all that's great, man. I am, I am number one on board with all that stuff. But you wanna know the mark of true change. You wanna know how to know whether what God is doing in your life is genuinely real? It's when you stop caring about what everyone else thinks about you to the point where you are publicly willing to own your own issues and your own sins because you want God more than you want to impress the people in your youth group. Because you want God, you want freedom from your sin more than you want to be in a relationship because you wanna please God and walk in your purpose more than you wanna look cool at school, man. That, that is how to know if God is doing something real in your life. And today, I wanna, tonight, I wanna give you guys the opportunity to start moving that direction. So do me a favor and stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet all over this room, just real, real quietly. You ain't gonna mess with all your stuff. I'm not gonna keep you here long, I promise. To every message, there's always a response required. You should never hear a message and not respond to it in some way. And tonight, the responses are going to vary across the board. I'll be honest with you. For some of you, your response to this message is you need to go out into the lobby and call your parents before you lose your courage and tell them about some of the stuff that's been happening behind the scenes. And I know you're like, what? Yeah. I mean, that's a real response. For some of you, the response to this is you need to go, go get with some of your youth pastors or leader that, that's a trusted leader, and you need to talk to them about some of the stuff that you've been dealing with, some of these suicidal thoughts, some of this depression, some of this fear, some of this anxiety that you ain't talked about before. Tonight, you need to talk about it. You need to get some of that stuff out for the first time, but I'll be honest with you. Before you go and do any of that, some of you need to take a moment get on your face and talk to him about it. Man, you've, you've tried medicine, you've tried, you've tried talking to your friends, you've tried therapists, and some of you, you still haven't gotten on your face and just said, God, I'm dealing with this. I've been struggling with pornography for years now. I, I am so anxious that I can't get sleep at night. I am cutting myself, I am suicidal, and I need your help. And today, I wanna give some of you the opportunity to take the first step of confession, which is confessing your sins to the Father and allowing His love and His mercy and His grace to shower on you and meet you right where you're at. And so this is how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna pray here in just a moment, and I need our prayer warriors in the room to agree with me when we start praying. When I pray, I'm gonna finish on the count of three. 
whatever it is that you need to do. If you need to come down front, get on your knees, lay on your face, get out in the aisle, go call someone, go ask forgiveness from someone in this room, whatever it is that you need to do. And the Lord will tell you, the Holy Spirit will give you a picture in your mind of whatever it is you need to do. Whatever it is you need to do, I'm not gonna put a label on it. I need you to do it on the count of three. Are y'all good with that? Okay, do me a favor, with eyes closed and hands raised all over this room, would you guys begin to pray with me, Lord? We wanna be real. We wanna be real. We wanna be real. God, we, want, we are sick and tired of hiding stuff in the secret. We are sick and tired of our sin thriving in the dark. And tonight, we say yes to confession. We say yes to talking to someone about it. We say yes to vulnerability and honesty. And we thank you that your word says that if we are faithful to confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. And so here in a moment, we expect you to meet us, to set us free. And God, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, one, two, three. Do whatever you need to do. Some of you guys need to go ahead and come down front. Some of you need to break up with those people right now. Come on, some of you need to get on the phone. We got some older people in here and you need to start having a conversation with your wife or with your husband right this moment. Do not wait, do not wait. Come on, man. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.